subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Vlogs community at tripods.com. Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. anyone listening to join us in our live chat room at tripods.com slash chat. We're very excited to have Dr. Barbara Biller with us today from the Colorado State University Animal Cancer Center, where she is a veterinarian and assistant professor of oncology. Dr. Biller is here to discuss some of the latest news regarding metronomic chemotherapy for cancer in dogs. So let's get on with the show. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Biller. Thank you for asking me. I'm happy to be here. Hi, Dr. Biller. This is Renee here. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's really a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the offer. Oh, my gosh. Well, we are, we're so glad you're here because we know that you are one of the world's experts on metronomic chemotherapy for dogs who are fighting cancer. And I learned about your work recently when I read a Morris Animal Foundation publication that talked about a dose-finding study that you recently completed about metronomic chemotherapy. So um, that, that's one of the reasons why I want to talk to you today. And I thought we could start out with, um, if you could give us just a real short summary of how metronomics can help a dog fighting cancer. Sure. I, I think the easiest place to start is to to make sure that I tell you guys how metronomic chemotherapy is different than conventional chemotherapy, which, as many of you know, um, is is what dogs with cancer uh, have been most commonly getting for different kinds of tumors. Metronomic chemotherapy is really interesting because it works in a completely different way than what we call conventional chemotherapy does. And it works by, instead of killing tumor cells, it actually isn't high enough dose to kill tumor cells directly, but what it does instead is keeps tumor cells from being able to grow by preventing them from developing a blood supply. And tumors can't get big at all if they don't have a blood supply. And so that's the really interesting thing is that because we're doing low doses and we're doing them continuously like a metronome, which once you turn it on, it just keeps ticking along. When you do the chemotherapy in that fashion, so low-dose, continuous chemotherapy, then that's how it works. So it can keep tumor cells from growing by cutting off their blood supply, and that's a total mind shift difference between what we did before where we're giving high doses of drugs, 
you have to take a break in between treatments because those high doses of drugs also cause side effects to normal cells, and the outcome assessment is different. You know, we're looking for tumor cells to shrink and die um, and check out rather than just sort of stay dormant or stable. So that's the first that's the first background part of it that I think is helpful for people to understand. Does does that make some sense? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We went through it with our doc, Derry, and um, I think the oncologist referred to metronomics as um, the goal was disease, disease stability, stabilization. Um, right, yep. And, and yes, he had two tumors that that were fairly large, and they managed to stay the same size, but we have heard of some dogs who had tumors that were actually reduced when they were on it. Is that is that a common occurrence? It does happen, but unfortunately, it's not as common as we would like it to be. Um, but yes, we've all had um, patients that we can think of where their tumors actually got a lot smaller or even went away. But most of the time, what we see and what we're really striving for is to keep the disease stable as possible for as long as we possibly can. And so in a sense, we're we're learning to live with cancer as a chronic disease, and that's okay as long as the tumor is not big enough to cause problems um, or to get places where it shouldn't be. Okay. Um, I, I We have a caller right now, but I'd love to hear about your study that you did for Morris. If you could tell us... Uh, about it. Sure. So the goal the the whole goal with that study was to kind of start at the beginning and ask the question, what dose of the chemotherapy drug cyclophosphamide, which is also called cytoxin, what is the dose that we should use when we want to use it as a metronomic chemotherapy? And the reason that question is really important is because all up until that point, when we use metronomic chemotherapy in veterinary patients, we've only been guessing as far as which drugs, which kinds of cancers, what schedule, all those sorts of things. So decided just to start with one drug and ask the question, well, what dose is really what we call anti-angiogenic, meaning that it keeps tumors stable by cutting off their ability to grow by calling in a blood supply. So that's the whole point. And the reason that we chose soft tissue sarcoma is that needed a tumor that was slow growing in most cases by its nature and was big enough that and easy to access that we could get biopsy samples at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end of the study because in those biopsy samples we wanted to know how many blood vessels were in there because that's how you're going to find out whether your treatment is doing what you think it's supposed to do. That makes a lot of sense. I was wondering why you why you chose soft tissue. That's that's interesting. Yeah, so it would be nice to say um, that, you know, the goal was to help dogs with soft tissue sarcoma have a better outcome, which is important. But the most important reason for choosing it is that it's a slow-growing enough kind of tumor that you won't be doing the dog a disservice if, if your treatment is not working like you think it's going to. Mm-hmm. And what what was the conclusion of, of the study? 
So we found that with the drug cyclophosphamide, we identified a dose of the drug that is antiangiogenic in that model in dogs with soft tissue sarcoma. And so now we at least have a dose that you can put, you know, you hang your head on a little bit that says we should use this dose because up until that point, it's really just been a big guess. And, uh, you know, the hard thing is that it's just that one drug, and now there's lots of other things we need to do. There are other drugs you can use besides cytoxin or cyclophosphamide. And so now, really, we need to do similar studies for the different drugs that are also out there and also in different types of cancers as well. But it does give you an idea that here's where we need to start, um, and I think that's the most important thing that we learned. And and just... So people know um, the uh, results of the study were published in the Journal of Veterinary Internal Medicine in July 2011, and it appears that we do have a caller, Jim. Sure. Before we get on to uh, some questions from our members, I would love to welcome a caller from 609 Area Codes. You're on the air with Dr. Biller. Hello. You're calling from 609 Area Code? Okay, we're going to let you go then. You don't need to call to listen. You can go to our Blog Talk Radio program to do that. So we'll just go ahead and get on with questions that we have prepared for you from our discussion forums. Okay, sounds good. All righty. Well, let's see. Um, You had actually mentioned other drugs that are being used for metronomics. And our uh, local uh, tripod veterinarian, Dr. Pam Wilsius in Washington, wanted to know which drugs you used for the chemo. So we've already talked about that. Um, She says, I've used Cytoxin and CCNU, but other vets have also used Leucaran and Melphalin. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Um, She says, sometimes dogs have to stop the Cytoxin due to side effects, so I would love to have other options to go to. Yeah, Yeah, that's a real... Go ahead, sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. You go ahead. So that's a really good question, Um, and that is there are other studies that have actually just – there's actually two that have recently just been published. Um, One was looking at CCNU, which is also an oral chemotherapy drug, and the other one was looking at leucuram, which is – the other name for that same drug is called clarambosil. And in these two studies, they just – they looked at whether – what we think is a metronomic dose of those two drugs, whether those doses were tolerable or not, so whether they caused toxicity or not. And so those are important studies because even those questions have not been answered. And the reason they're important is, as Dr. Willits is pointing out, that cytoxin, unfortunately, has a unique side effect of causing what we call sterohemorrhagic cystitis, which is just a fancy way of saying irritation in blood in the in the bladder. So, sorry, blood in the urine and then irritation in the bladder, which comes out often as blood in the urine. And that side effect we think occurs anywhere from about 10 to 20% of the time, but it's high enough that we definitely have to watch out for it. And you have to tell people that that's important to watch out for because occasionally it causes such a bad complication with the cystitis that the dogs, that becomes 
unfortunately their big problem and it becomes more uncomfortable than their tumor. So that's one of the reasons that um, we're looking at other drugs. And so what we don't know is what dose should we use of either CCNU or uh, Leucaran. And so those studies need to be done. But the two papers that were just published at least tell us that at the doses that that they looked at, those, those drugs were well tolerated and did not cause severe side effects. And what doses were those? Is it by weight or, you know, and we have another yeah. veterinarian, Dr. Mason, asking what doses for various drugs are you using? Yeah, okay. So, yes. Yeah. So the way that we dose chemotherapy drugs in um, animals is it's called milligrams per meter squared. And most veterinarians are able you just look it up on a chart that converts the dog's body weight in kilograms to this thing called meter squared. And then the dose is based on that, milligrams per meter squared. So I can tell you from what's published, the doses that are being used right now, um, and for cytoxin, it is about 15 milligrams per meter squared daily. And for CCNU, what was just published was 2.8 milligrams per meter squared daily. And for Chlorambucil, which is the same as Leucaran, the dose was four milligrams per meter squared daily. And when you say daily, um, I'm, I'm a little bit um, curious about this because when our Jerry went through it, he was um, told to have his cytoxin every other day. But now we're hearing about a lot of members who are taking it every day. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me, has the has the dosage increased as, as more studies have been performed, or does it just depend on the dog's overall health? You know, what's interesting is that the truth is for the drug cytoxin, it is based on convenience because the problem with cytoxin, and, and probably many people don't know this, is that you, you cannot chop that tablet in half. So cytoxin comes in human-sized tablets, which is a 50 milligram and a 25. And unfortunately, the way that drug is formulated, you can't split it because when you split it up, the drug doesn't separate cleanly with the carrier of the drug. So the protocols, the, the way it was done up until now is that it was convenient to do a 25 milligram tablet once every other day in most dogs over about 50 pounds. Um, and so that's why it was that way. But to truly do metronomic chemotherapy, what turns out to be critical is not taking a break. So it's that gap in treatment time that can allow the tumor to get back to work and try to grow and to make its blood supply come in. So to really do it what we think is the best way really is to keep that gap as small as possible, which in reality works out to daily administration for an oral drug. So with cytoxin, though, the problem is you it really ideally should be compounded into the correct dosage so that it can be given daily. And so that's what would need to happen for most dogs that need that drug, because unless you're a huge dog, 25 milligrams once a day is going to be too much. 
So that's where the old protocols have come from, and that's why they're out there. And the thinking is, you know, is that better than nothing at all? Is is every other day close to daily? And the question is, we don't know. And that's a great question, but we don't know the answer. Wonderful. Could you um, address a couple common concerns we hear about administration of the drug? We, drug. we were given, you know, gloves to handle it and told to give it in the morning so that the dog has all day to urinate. Is there any special precautions people should take? Yes, that's good advice. So we also here at CSU tell folks the same thing. It's a good idea to protect yourself from repeated exposure to the drug by wearing gloves when it's in tablet form. Um, and especially if you happen to be a pregnant woman, that would be really important. Um, and then as far as um, otherwise, we tell people um, morning administration of cytoxin is a good idea with the logic that you, your dog will have more time to pee out the drug metabolites during the day than if you gave the drug at bedtime and then the dog held its urine overnight. So again, we're trying to minimize that risk of cystitis. And so getting it out of the bladder sooner rather than later is the logic behind giving it in the morning. So I think that's a really good idea. Okay, well, my, my big question right now is um, what cancers respond best to this type of therapy? Uh, we just had a member last night join, and her dog uh, got the bad news that he has um, chondrosarcoma, which I understand doesn't respond to um, IV chemo. And she was wondering, would it respond to metronomics? Um, can you tell me what what people can um, with people with different types of cancers? Can they can they use this therapy? Again, I would just I wish we had the answers to that those okay. questions because they're obviously very good questions. But the answer, the honest answer is we don't know. No one has done those studies to ask the question which kind of cancers are best suited for metronomic chemotherapy, which kind of cancers does it work best for, and, you know, which drugs should we use. So, but that, you know, welcome to our world um, in veterinary <laughs> oncology. And so, so what we do in reality is logically, you know, if you have a, a dog that has a tumor type that we don't have good treatment options for, something we know what we get, for example, chondrosarcoma would be a good example of that because we don't have studies that say that other chemotherapy drugs work. And so when you're in that boat, there is really no reason why you shouldn't try um, because we don't know, because it could work and it might not. So that happens in our world every day. Um, and the way I talk to people about choosing that approach is that if your dog or cat has failed a standard treatment option that we know more about, or um, you choose not to do the standard treatment option, or there isn't one, then I really think that there's very little reason not to try. And can metronomics ever replace IV chemo? Is it is it a good idea, or is it just kind of a shot in the dark if you decide to just go with it? I think right now that the answer is we don't know enough about its efficacy in most tumor types in dogs that that I would have a hard time 
telling you to ignore what we know more about and choose metronomics instead. So, you know, I my job, I think, is to give people all their treatment options from what we know the most about to stuff that is more experimental that we know less about. Um, and that's how they do this in people, too. So when people have cancer, you know, they'll go through your basic treatment options, your standard options, and when you failed those or declined those, then they'll also offer you more experimental approaches like this. So it's okay. the same deal, yeah. And I think as long as you think of it that way, then, then that's the right way to go about it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I I wanted to ask you, is it is it not being studied because there isn't an interest by a lot of people, or is it a matter of funding? I think it's because of funding. Um, it's it's always we have to write grants for just about every question we want to look at um, to get that study funded. Um, it's a really attractive treatment option for lots of reasons, right? It has a lower chance of causing side effects. It costs less money. It's much easier to do. So, I think there there is a lot of interest in it. There's no doubt about that. Um, and we all compete for a pretty small pot of money when it comes to funding. And I, I really think that's the biggest reason why we're just at the beginning of these sorts of studies, but I bet you it's going to get more and more funding as things go, because in people, this is a really interesting approach as well. And that's this is why I'd like to tell everybody it's so important to support Morris Animal Foundation, uh, because we can put money towards researchers like you who want to study this and help our dogs. So everybody, support Morris. Yay. <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you, thank you, Renee. That's that's absolutely the way it works. Is you know your money just goes for such a good cause when it goes to someplace like Morris or there are other foundations that um, support that sort of work too. So I I, I love you for saying that. Thank you. <laughs> sure, we we really we love Morris, and every year we we do a couple of different uh, fundraising efforts for them. Um, we have a question here from uh, Zeus, and it's pretty specific, so I'm just going to read it verbatim. Um, Zeus's mom says, Zeus is on the third of six carboplatin treatments and the lung net has appeared. I would love to know my option on whether to continue or finish the traditional chemo uh, once now that this net has appeared or whether you recommend stopping that and starting metronomics. Yeah, I saw that question, and it's a good one. So this is where I don't like to play doctor over the phone because I haven't yeah. seen Zeus. But the way – and so what I'll do is just answer it generally. The way I would approach that, what we say to people in that situation is – Dang it, it looks like the carboplatin treatment isn't really doing its job, meaning that it has let the lung met appear. And so when what you're doing seems to be not working as well as we hope it would, then that's when we recommend switching to something different. And since carboplatin is one of the things that we use up front for um, osteosarcoma, and when it doesn't work as well as it should, then we do switch to something like metronomic chemotherapy. So that's how I would approach it, but that may not be what's best for Zeus because I don't know all of his treatment details. Understood, definitely. Um, we have another question where somebody is kind of asking you to uh, <laughs> give a little more information that you might be comfortable with, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and you can answer this any way you'd like. Um, okay. This is from a member, UB Bunny, and 
She is asking, um, my nine-year-old greyhound is currently on metronomics for bone cancer. He has been on an every other day dosage since February 2011. In your opinion, how long should he continue this treatment without risking organ damage? One of his oncologists says he will be on the therapy until the end, and another wants him to be on him to be off metronomics by this time next year if he is still with us. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's another really good question. And again, it's one of the things we haven't looked at, which is how long, you know, do you have to do it? But if you think about why we're doing it, um, if we're keeping the disease stable and we're keeping it that way by not letting it develop a blood supply, then theoretically you would argue that you would just stay on it forever or until the disease progresses. So that's pretty much how we approach it. As long as our patients are tolerating the treatment and are not developing problems from it, like irritation of the bladder or you know low white blood count or something else, as long as you're tolerating it and your disease is stable, then theoretically it makes sense to stay on it. But having said that, we've often you know, sometimes have dogs take a break if we think they are having any problems associated with it. Sometimes you can't tell whether a tumor is just behaving itself because it wants to or because your treatment is keeping it at bay, and sometimes we'll take them off and see what happens for a while and just monitor things. So there's no right or wrong, but if you think about the logic behind the treatment, it's, it would say you stay on it until something makes you need to stop it. And would that be something like if uh, an X-ray came back and there were a lot of METs that had suddenly appeared in the lungs, at that point would you just say this isn't working anymore? Yeah, right. So let's say you've got a dog that has two lung METs and you're doing metronomic chemotherapy and after you do your X-rays, after a couple of months, now you've got 20 METs, then it's time to quit because it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. We've had, we've seen that situation a lot. So we have about five minutes left here, and I'm wondering if you might be able to please give our listeners a little advice regarding the use of immunity system enhancers in conjunction with metronomics. We had Jerry on a clinical trial for canine immunity during his metronomic treatment, but we've also heard oncologists suggest not using such supplements during intravenous chemo. So what kind of feedback might you have regarding that? Ooh, that's a tricky question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I get it a lot, and so it's it's a fair question. Um, and it, it's it's going to be hard to give you a very clear answer because I, the problem is we, I don't know, and I think most of us don't know exactly um, what in the canine immunity product is doing what to who um, as far as um, effects on the immune system go. I'm sure it's um, helpful and doing good things, but we also don't know whether it could be interacting with any chemotherapy drugs. Um, And it gets even more complicated because um, I've made it simple, sound a little simple than than probably the, the real situation Cytoxin, when we use it at a low metronomic dose, not only do we think it stops the tumor blood vessels from growing, but we also think it helps to um, activate parts of the immune system that help then recognize tumor cells better. 
So you could argue, yeah, you could argue that when you do um, canine immunity and cytoxin, you might be making both things work better. Um, so it's tempting. I, you know, I can see why you'd be interested in combining it, but we don't know. We don't know whether that's the case. We don't know whether it might interfere with other drugs besides cytoxin or even cytoxin itself. So it's a big, muddy area that we need to figure out um, more. We need to understand more about how canine immunity and other products work in order to answer those sorts of questions. But I think it's really interesting because it turns out that chemotherapy is certainly not completely immunosuppressive. And the truth is, especially at low doses, it probably actually helps activate parts of the immune system. That is really interesting. Um, for your dose-finding study that you did, were those dogs on any supplements or did they have to just, I mean, what were the parameters in order for them to participate? Yeah, good question. So we had them stop any kind of supplements um, for at least a week or two before the study. They had to be off um, prednisone um, or even um, prednisone was the big one and then supplements being number two. They could stay on anti-inflammatories and pain medications because they needed them a lot of the times for pain. So it wasn't fair to cut them off from that, but we kept it as tight as we could as far as minimizing other supplements or drugs. So with just about a, a minute left here, we actually have Zeus in our chat room who is mentioning that the uh, the, the tumor that was showing up was not was the one that's not that was on the initial CT scan, and that makes me think: is metronomics a good preventative? So someone goes through an amputation and they're mm -hmm. are clear so far. Is it something that can prevent growth, or does it uh, prohibit growth in existing tumors? Yeah, you're asking super good questions about tumor biology, um, whoever <laughs> is out there. <laughs> um, yeah. So, again, in, in veterinary oncology and human oncology, we're looking at the same kinds of questions. Not only are we trying to keep a tumor stable, but we're also trying to keep it from popping up somewhere else or spreading. And we think it's going to work best in the setting where there's not a big fat tumor to deal with to begin with that's been there a while. So that means that we hope that it's going to, prevent tumors from spreading, but I don't think it would prevent cancer from be, from getting going in the very beginning, if that makes sense. So I don't think you would want to walk, you'd want to want to be on it forever when, since you were a puppy to try to prevent cancer. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Perfectly understandable. And we are out of time here, so for more information, we'd love people uh, uh, to know about the work going on at Colorado State University. Please visit csuanimalcancercenter.org and join the discussion about amputation and cancer in dogs at tripods.com slash forums. Dr. Biller, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. <laughs>